Are computer chips the new oil? Or are they really the new nuclear weapons? Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. I want to talk about the CHIPS Act, but first let's talk about gray goo. So gray goo is related to the idea of nanobots. Nanotechnology is technology that's on the billionth of a meter scale, anyways, you know, kind of on the scale of atoms and stuff. And then nanobots are robots on the scale of atoms. I mean, we don't have any of these, but nanobots would be robots that are on the size of atoms. And if you think of atoms like beach balls or something, and you know, everything in the world is made up of a bunch of beach balls put together in different ways. You could imagine if you had a little robot that could grab a beach ball from here and, and it put it over there, you know, attach it and whatnot, then, I mean, you could do some stuff. You know, you could cure cancer. You could send a bunch of these nanobots into your bloodstream. They'd ride around in the little roller coaster of your veins. They'd get to the cancer spot. They'd take it apart molecule by molecule and who knows what. Turn it to gold and you'd probably shit out an ingot. But so gray goo is the idea of what if you make all those little nanobots, but, you know, kind of like in the Terminator, how if you build a robot, it always comes back and kills humanity. Well, if you build these nanobots and they go crazy and they just start converting everything they see into more nanobots. And so if you got these little nanobots running amuck, mucking things up, um, then they just will turn every single atom and every single molecule that they can get their hands on into more nanobots, which, you know, more nanobots means even more nanobots, and it will just start on, you know, some lab. It'll be a laboratory accident, kind of like COVID, and what you'll have there is gray goo, and it will just, you know, it'll look like gray goop, but it's actually a bunch of little nanobots making more of themselves, and it will just spread out from that one little lab, and it will just turn the entire Earth into nothing but nanobots. And so it's a thing they use in, like, science fiction, but it's also, you know, it might be possible. It's just like, you know, you got to keep, uh, keep an eye on your artificial intelligence if it gets too smart so it doesn't do anything bad. Same thing with nanobots, if we're ever able to make them. But there is something that we are doing on the nanoscale now, and that is computer chips. And America is in a fight with China over them. You probably heard of chip shortages, and it was why, like, cars... Car manufacturers couldn't build cars fast enough during the um, pandemic to satisfy customers, and the price of everything, you know, used cars shot through the roof and it was because they couldn't get enough computer chips to make their cars. They could make the rest of the car, but not the, but it needed computer chips. And so I think Trump was doing something against China about computer chips, and maybe, maybe America's been doing stuff against China about computer chips for a long time. But anyways, Biden recently did this thing called the CHIPS Act, which is like really hardcore. We're like, F you, China. We're going we're gonna to bend you over a barrel. And do what to them when they're bent over a barrel? I don't know. You know, let your imagination run wild. And so the CHIPS Act says that anything related to letting China build their own chips or selling chips to China, if there's a United States-made piece of technology somewhere in that supply chain then you can't, you can't give nothing to China. You can give whatever you want to China as long as you're not using a single piece of American technology. But if you're using even a single piece, you know, you're building a giant machine and there's a, uh, 
whatever, bolt in there made in America, then that giant machine cannot go to China because otherwise you can't have that bolt, you can't have that machine. And I think all the European countries are on board with it. You kind of say it's white against Asian, except that Japan, I think, and South Korea and Ta well, not Taiwan, we'll get to that, but Japan and South Korea are on it too. So it's just, it's just everyone, West, Western democracies against China. And they all agree we, we can't have China be able to buy all the computer chips they want or make all the computer chips they want. And apparently America's had a technology ban on Russia like since World War II. So like this entire time, whatever, for the last 70 years, there's been a technology ban on Russia. And so that might explain why Russian military technology is not that good. And, so, and that's America's excuse. America's like, oh, we're not doing it to hamstring your economy, China. We just don't want your military to get too fancy. And, you know, as a nice side effect, um, we will stay the dominant economic power forever because you won't be able to catch us. And I guess we were being nice to China. And over the last 20 years, China was catching up. And then we're like, oh, my God, they're catching up too fast. So that's kind of what's going on. But there's a phrase I've been hearing that you'll probably hear at some point which is that computer chips are the new oil. And for reasons I'll explain, uh, it's kind of true. Because, you know, if you can't make a car without computer chips, or you can't make a, anything without computer chips, then computer chips get pretty important. And so you might just say, well, if, you know, if you won't give me computer chips, I'll make my own. But computer chips are made in things called foundries, which is a cool word. And there's only three companies in the world that have foundries which is intel samsung and then one you probably haven't heard of but tsmc which is the taiwan semiconductor manufacturing corporation and so tsmc even though their name ain't famous they're one of the 10 most valuable companies in the world it would not it would not shock me if they become the most valuable company in the world but they make most of the computer chips for everything everything that america makes Everything that China makes, everything that everyone makes, Japan, blah, blah. Um, if it has a computer chip in it, they're probably buying it from TSMC. And so that's in Taiwan. And because that's in Taiwan, it's called the Silicon Shield. Like Silicon Valley stands for, you know, the computer mecca in California. And I think they make like, TSMC makes like 90% of the chips in the world. Even though, you know, Intel and Samsung also make chips. But they make like 90% of the chips, period. And so that means if China were to attack Taiwan and somehow that their, their foundries, these buildings with equipment inside, get destroyed, then everything that China manufactures would like, they couldn't manufacture it anymore. They wouldn't have the chips. It's like they could make the whole car, they could make a smartphone, but it wouldn't, you know, but it wouldn't turn on. And so, like, one thing that TSMC makes is the iPhone, the chips for the iPhone. It's probably the most famous thing they work on. I believe they created an entire separate foundry building thing just to do iPhone Apple stuff. And I did a deep I did a deep vibe a deep dive on YouTube on this stuff last night. And so let's talk about Intel for a second. So Intel basically invented the computer chip and you know that IBM computers and then laptops and blah blah. They were, they were, you know, they were the kings, and they're an American company in Silicon Valley. 
In fact, they're the, they're the company that basically created Silicon Valley. Mountain View, California. It's right near Stanford. It's in the Bay Area. Um, Google has their headquarters there now, for instance. And so don't quote me on these dates, but I think in 2014, Steve Jobs went to Intel and he said, we want to make something called an iPhone. They're like, what's an iPhone? We never heard of that. He's like, don't worry about it, but we need chips for this iPhone. And Intel said, we can't help you, or we don't want to work with you, or something. And so Intel, the one American chip manufacturer, has been on the decline ever since. That was their chance to be the kings of the entire world, and America would have it. But anyways, Intel fucked it up. They're trying to come back now, but we'll see. And so Steve Jobs said, well, Intel sucks. Let's look overseas. And so they went to Samsung. And I used to be a TV salesman in 2007. And the Samsung TVs were the best TVs. They were better than Sony. Um, but no one ever heard of Samsung. It's like, what's, what's Samsung? I don't know, but that TV, you can just see the picture. is way better than every other TV. And Samsung is in South Korea, as a reminder. But so Steve Jobs went to Samsung and was like, hey, can you build the chips for something called an iPhone? They're like, what's an iPhone? He's like, don't worry about it, but can you build the chips? And they said, hell yeah, we can. And so I'm not sure how many years, but for a little while, the iPhone was built using basically Samsung guts. And then Samsung is like, you know what? While we're building the guts for the iPhone, we can make our own phones. And so I'm sure you've heard of Samsung smartphones, but then all of a sudden, Apple was paying Samsung to make the iPhone, and then Samsung was taking that money and building their own phones. And Apple was like, we don't like this. And I think Steve Jobs is dead at this point. But anyways, Apple switched over to uh, TSMC making their chips for their iPhones. And that's, you know, that's who's been making the chips ever since, over in Taiwan. And so I think TSMC makes 65% of all computer chips, and then they make 90% of the good computer chips. We'll talk about that later. But let's go over the history of TSMC. So TSMC, Taiwan company, was started by a guy named Morris Chang. I think he's still alive and he's like super old. But he was like born in China back in, I don't know what, the 30s or something. And there, you know, I was watching a biography. He was there, he's experienced three wars, which is Apparently there's two Japanese wars with China before World War II, which he also experienced. But he got into Harvard when he was 18, I think in somewhere around 1950. Then he went to MIT, got his master's, and he got a job at Texas Instruments, the graphing calculator company. And so I guess what Texas Instruments really started out as was they made kind of pre-computer well, they have vacuum tubes, right? Before computer chips or whatever, you had vacuum tubes. So they made electronic stuff for the oil industry in Texas. And so Morris Chang was working at TI, and it was the time when they were switching from vacuum tubes over to transistors, right? Like physicists. Some physicist invented the transistor, I think. And then they started making transistor radios and whatnot. And Morris Chang was there to make chips you know, the early, the early version of chips at Texas Instruments. And basically, he was a star. Like, his division of the company just shone super bright because they were the only people who could actually make these chips. Back then, it was like you'd make these chip things and they would all fail. There was something called a... wasn't success rate, but anyways, they had a, they had a fail rate. Maybe it was a fail rate. The fail rate, and like most, most um, people who made chips, their fail rate was 100% failure. 
and like he was able to get 10% of them to work or something, and like that was amazing. And then IBM hired Texas Instruments to make chips for them, and that was the personal computer. And basically, so this Chinese guy, he was just there the whole time at Texas Instruments for, he was just in the right place at the right time to learn about how to make computer chips. He was just right there in the middle of it all. And his lifelong goal was to become the CEO of a giant American company. You know, that was always my goal too. And just like I'm a complete failure, Morris Chang was a complete failure. I think he got like one below the top at Texas Instruments, and then he got fired. Or he resigned, or whatever. And so I think this is now the early 80s, and Taiwan, the country, is thinking about, we don't want to be, I guess, you know, Taiwan was like a farming country, and they were poor as shit. And I think they looked over at Japan making all sorts of stuff, and they said, you know what, we want to be a manufacturing powerhouse and get rich like Japan. And, you know, all across the world, all, all the shithole countries in Africa and Asia and South America, they're all like, yeah, we'll just become industrial powerhouses and everyone will be rich. Anyways, and they all obviously are complete and utter failures at it. But, anyways, Taiwan is full of Chinese people, and something about having tons and tons of Chinese people makes it possible. And so the Chinese government hired Morris Chang in somewhere around like 81 or something, and they created, basically just out of nothing, a, I think it was a, might have been a college and a company to start creating computer chip stuff. And so with hard work, which is never enough, and a ton of luck, that ended up turning into TSMC, where Taiwan now makes the computer chips for the entire world. And so, like, the genius thing or the lucky thing that kind of made it possible was where they ended up in the supply chain. So let's go back to the iPhone to see how that an iPhone is made. So an iPhone is designed in America, in California, at Apple. Like, the chip is designed at Apple. And then the ingredients to make the chip, I guess the silicon or who knows what, um... That's made in Germany and Japan. United States allies, I might add. And then that stuff is shipped over to Taiwan, where they make the actual chip. And then when the chips are made, they ship it over to China, where they assemble the iPhone. And so the lucky thing that worked out for Morris Chang and his company was that they're in the middle. They're in the middle. They don't have to design it. Basically, he looked around. He looked at Taiwan, back in the 80s, and it was kind of a shithole. You know, it's now a super rich country. And he's like, there is no one in this country that can design a chip. So we ain't going to be designing no chips here. We got a bunch of farmers, a bunch of dummies. And so he put himself kind of in the middle of the supply chain where you didn't have to have the super highly educated engineers to design the chips. You just, you know, in quotes, you just build them. So let's talk about how you make a chip. So silicon, that's a, what is that? That's an atom, like hydrogen or oxygen or whatever. And so they make these giant silicon crystals. They're like, I don't know, they weigh a ton or something. And you cut them into little slices called wafers. And it kind of looks like a piece of glass. It's just like a round piece of glass, except it's dark colored. And then they etch transistors, whatever. They etch stuff onto it with lithography. I think it's basically like lasers. So you get this little piece of glass looking thing and you use lasers to draw your computer chip on it. And somehow that works. 
And so this is the nanotechnology thing. It's like how small can you make the little lines on your piece of glass? And the smaller you make them, I think the smarter the chip is and the less power it uses. And so like that's the holy grail of chips. And now they're getting down to maybe five nanometers or something. So whatever, this is like the nanobots. They are doing nano stuff on these little chips. And like America just put 50 billion to um, try and create chip manufacturing in America that's on this super small scale. But right now, the only place in the world that makes the, I think it's five nanometers, the smallest, uh, is TSMC. And I mean, the way they make these stuff is like, it's so crazy high tech. Like the machines to make, to make it cost $300 million. And we'll talk about the machines in a second. But they have to use like an ultraviolet light. I don't know, like they've always used an ultraviolet light, but it's like, they've got like, okay, we got super ultraviolet light. We got super duper ultraviolet light. Now we're getting extra super duper ultraviolet light. So they're just always going higher and higher into the ultraviolet light. And the higher you go, the better the chip is. And I think the way they make the light now is they have to like vaporize tin, like little pieces of metal. They vaporize metal into a vapor and then you shine light through the vapor and then you concentrate that into a laser with mirrors or something and then that's how you do it. And the video I was watching said that if you were, the mirrors had to be the flattest thing that has ever been created by a human. And if you were to take one of these mirrors and blow it up to the size of America, the highest point on it would be less than an inch tall. Whatever, it's just a bunch of crazy stuff. And like the rooms that these machines are in, you can't just have normal fluorescent lights because that light will interfere with the light that you want. And so they got like weird yellow lighting in these rooms. It's just like crazy, super high tech crap that I never heard of till I watched a video on it. But so these machines that can make the chips, I think they're made by ITMC. I mean, I don't know. All these companies just have four letter acronyms that you, and you never heard of them. But back in the 80s when Morris Chang was building his chip factory, the Taiwan government said, we'll pay for half of it, but you need to partner with some corporation to pay for the other half. And so he went to Intel and he went to Texas Instruments and, you know, to America's everlasting regret, uh, both of those companies turned him down, said, screw you. And so he ended up partnering with Philips, which I thought that was Japanese. You know, Pioneer is a Japanese um, tech company. So I don't know, I guess I can't tell the difference between Philips and Pioneer, but, uh, Philips is a is in the Netherlands, which always confuses me. Like Dutch, Holland, Netherlands, all the same shit. I will say, you know, average IQ, the highest average IQ type of person in the world is an Ashkenazi Jew. The second highest is a Dutch person. But anyways, Morris Chang, he hooked up with Philips and they got the chip making stuff going in Taiwan. And then... Philips also, at the same time, was making the machines to make the chips. And I think they got started with a bunch of patents that they bought from RCA, if you remember that. You know, in the, in the 40s, people who made radios was RCA. So, American. I mean, America invented everything. Every step of this way, it's all American invented. I think the last hundred years, any good invention that happened in the last hundred years, pretty much, was invented in America. America... Make America great? No, 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 America. Anyways, you get the idea. But so this Dutch company makes the machines that make the chips, 
and the Dutch company also has um, a lot of their company is in based in California also. So it's a Dutch company, but it has a lot of ties to California and therefore America. And so the CHIPS Act says that you cannot sell the smallest nanometer, the five nanometer, the ultra super duper uh, violet light chip making machines to China. But you can sell the second best kind. You can, you know, you, you know the last year's model. So last year's model of chip making machines can be sold to China currently under American law, but not the new model. And China isn't stupid. So right now, China is going around the world. Everyone who has a last year model chip manufacturing device machine. I mean, these machines are the size of a building. But anyways, in fact, oh, that was interesting. They're talking about how you, you ma they make the machine in the Netherlands and then they ship it to where you need it. And they were saying it takes like 20 semi-trucks and three 747s completely filled to move a machine. But so China is just going around the world buying up last year's model machines. Like every one of them that they can get. They can see they're never going to have a good one. They're never going to have the very best one. So they're like, let's get all the second best ones we can get. And so everyone who's got one, China's like, hey, hey, you want to sell that? We'll give you a ton of money. And so that's kind of where we're at today. Like I say, this is, it's, they say it's for military reasons, but it's to make America's economy stay good and to dampen down China's economy. And some people complain about it. They're like, you know, like, uh, American companies lose money because of this. Because American companies, they want to take all the American jobs and ship them over to China and do stuff much more cheaply, but they can't ship all the jobs over there because China doesn't have the manufacturing capabilities with the chips. So some people complain about that. I mean, probably not me. And apparently artificial intelligence and machine learning, whatever, all the super cutting edge, bleeding edge, high tech stuff that's coming, self-driving cars, uh, who knows what, you know, robots that go to war as army soldiers instead of humans, um, all that stuff is going to require the absolute pinnacle of chips. And so, you know, there's your kind of the reason, military reason and industrial reason to keep, it, keep the stuff away from China. And so China has been doing industrial espionage, you know, stealing ideas from America. And they've used it to lift more people out of poverty than there are Americans. You know, like 600 million people or something have been lifted out of extreme poverty and now have a job and a house and can eat. And they kind of did that by stealing our ideas. You know, it's like, we had a patent on that. They're like, oh, we didn't know. Sorry. Sorry. We had a guy work at your company for a few months put everything on a hard drive and come back to China. And it's a little tricky, you know, if you're like America, you know, we, I want to help poor Americans. Well, it ain't no good for them. But on the other hand, if you're like, I want to help the whole human race, then it actually, you know, it hurt America, it hurt America to a certain extent and then really, really helped, you know, hundreds of millions of Chinese. So it's a little bit of a moral calculus that's tricky. Like I wish some of the shithole African countries would steal our industrial espionage stuff and make their countries a little better. Somehow they don't seem to be doing that. But, so China fucked up. They have this, you know, so COVID came from China, however it came from there, and China's had this thing called the zero COVID policy. And that means that if anyone has COVID in a city, the entire city locks down. And I don't mean like in America, like there you like, you stay in your house and you don't open the door. And maybe they have someone deliver food to your 
doorstep or something. And they've been doing it for like, I don't know, three years. And so China could see the writing on the wall, like they need to make chips. I mean, you know, America has been realizing they need to make chips. Intel has been trying to do it for years. But China had a good, they had a good plan, which was what they would do is they would hire workers from Taiwan, from TSMC. They'd bring them over, be like, hey, come on over and be the CEO of a company. We'll just make a company around you and your knowledge of chip making. And so I think that was working well. They were doing that a bunch. You know, they all speak the same Chinese. It was working out. You could just become rich as hell, move over to China. But then when the China lockdown happened, COVID happened, and then people in Taiwan are like, I ain't moving to China. China sucks right now. And so basically China is stuck with people who know stuff that's more than three years old. They haven't got any new people. And now we've got like this Chips Act thing going on. We're like, oh, no, no. We see what you're doing. No more. And so China versus America is interesting. Like one way to measure countries is by GDP, gross domestic product. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's not a good measurement. But anyways, it's kind of like how much money do you got? And so America has the most money, the highest GDP, but China has been getting, you know, has been shooting through the roof, obviously, for 20, 30 years. And I think they were about to pass America. They were going to pass America except for COVID. And so people are looking at that going, oh, my God, you know, China's going to be the power. America's going to be nothing. And China's going to be the country that takes over the world. But... There's money, and then there's money. There's, a, you know, there's money like you have it in America, and there's money like you have it in China, and it's not the same, and they really weren't going to pass us. And so the reason why is their money is spread out over many more people. Like, governments get their money by doing taxes on the population. And it's like that famous quote, um, Willie Sutton, he was a bank robber back in the day, and they said, why do you rob banks? And he said, because that's where the money is. And so let's just do an exaggeration here to show you the difference between America and China. Say you got, you know, in one country, you got 100 people that make a dollar a day. And in another country, you got one person that makes $100 a day. Well, then GDP-wise, those countries are equal. There's $100 in each country. But let's say you take half the money. Say you take half the money from the person who makes $100 a day. Well, they still got $50 a day, so that's not too bad. And then the other ones, if you take half, you know, take half their money, so they went from a dollar a day to 50 cents a day, it's like they were starving and now they're dead. So that ain't going to work. And so, you know, where, where do governments get their taxes from? Even though rich people fight it like hell, you take your money from rich people. And America's just got richer people, and so you can get more money out of them. You know, that's where the money is. All right. I mean, I ain't going to do another podcast like this, so may as well spew it out all right now. Blah. But the U.S. government has given out $50 billion to try and onshore um, chip-making jobs, basically build chip factories in America. And I think Samsung is building a chip factory in America. TSMC is building a chip factory in America. And Intel is building, like, three chip factories in America. Foundries. Foundries. And Intel, which has been mismanaged for, I don't know what, 10, 15 years, they say they're on the right track now. They got a new CEO. We'll see. But they're building two foundries in Arizona at $10 billion each. 
They're building a foundry in Oregon at probably another 10 billion. Uh, it's a total of 26 billion, and they're pretty proud of it. But currently, TSMC is building a hundred billion dollars worth of foundries. I don't know where. I guess some in Taiwan, some in America. So we'll see if America can become great again or not. And it's tricky for Taiwan, right? Like if China and America can build their own chips, then China can carpet bomb Taiwan. And America can sit back and let it happen. And so computer chips are the new oil. It sounds to me more like computer chips are the new nuclear weapons. Like nuclear weapons are so, you know, it's another physics thing. They're so difficult to make that, you know, every country is like, yeah, I wish we had nuclear weapons. But, you, but anyways, they don't have the ability to make them. And so it's really like Taiwan is the only country in the world currently that has nuclear weapons. Well, I guess South Korea with Samsung and America with Intel. So there's three countries in the world that have the equivalent of nuclear weapons when it comes to computer chips. And then China's like, we need to get our own nukes. And America's like, our nukes aren't very good. That was going to be a nice ending to the podcast, but I like to be redundantly clear. So if a country has nuclear weapons, you can't attack them because they will nuke you. And that's why, like, North Korea has them because they don't, you know, because otherwise we would attack their ass. And that's why Iran wants them because they're worried about us attacking their ass and we might do it. We did it to their buddy Iraq. But as soon as you have nukes, no one can attack you. Twitter handle at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.